Welcome back to the STEM Blazers podcast. My name is Ali Hilton. And I'm Vivan Vovon, and we are your hosts this season. Joining us today is Deborah Chandler. Deborah had a career in the computer industry where she was a marketing manager and division general manager for HP. Now that it, she is retired, she works on projects with nonprofits. Today, she will be giving us advice as well as sharing what she learned throughout her experiences. Hello, Deborah. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining us. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course. So to kind of open it up, just give our listeners a little bit of background. Um, We know that you were first interested in med school, but ultimately changed your direction to engineering. Could you talk a little bit about your first interest in STEM and then the journey you took to get to your STEM path? Sure. So I always thought that I was going to end up going to med school. When I was in high school, my dad got really sick and I saw the benefits of what happens in medicine and what doctors do. And I thought, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And because my dad had been sick, I didn't want to go that far away from home to go to school. So I went a whopping 13 miles from Chicago to Northwestern. Um, My parents told me I had to go live at school. They didn't want me at home anymore, but I still wanted time with my dad. And when I got to school, I thought, well, you know, if this medical school thing doesn't pan out, I need to have a backup strategy. And I thought, okay, what's my backup plan? And I went to an open house that was at the School of Engineering, and they had panel discussions. And so each panel would have three or four alumni from a particular engineering discipline. And so I went around to all these different panels, and I really liked what I heard from the people that had studied industrial engineering. So I got the course curriculum, and I read all of the descriptions of the classes in industrial engineering, and I said, you know, this sounds great. This is for me. And so I went off and switched my major and declared myself industrial engineering. And then, you know, it's after freshman year, I needed to get a job and I ended up answering phones for Citibank. And somebody in the department overheard me helping one of the marketing associates and they offered me a marketing internship for the summer. And kind of one thing led to the next. And I ended up working for Citibank for three and a half years while I was in college. And I thought, like, I I didn't want to be an industrial engineer at that point. Like, I really enjoyed this marketing thing, but I didn't want to just go into this marketing thing and walk away from this engineering degree. So I figured out how to bring the two together and thought that the right answer would be to pursue marketing in a high tech company. It's always interesting to hear everyone's journey and how what you initially think you're going to go into can always change and you could always find something else that like you're passionate about. What advice would you give to a young adult as they navigate deciding a career path or interest? So I'll share something that my mother always said about me. She said, you're always sure of what you want to do. You just change your mind frequently. And I think the important thing is to experience what's happening in the classroom, what's happening if you're in a job or an internship, and allow those things to lead your next step. I think it's very easy to think, oh, I can see into the future. I know exactly what's going to make me happy. I know exactly what I'm going to enjoy doing. And we become very fixated on that, and we don't take in the information and the things that we're learning in a particular moment. So what I would say is enjoy the journey and let the journey unfold and let one step in the journey influence the next. I love that. Yeah. Cause I, I think something I definitely struggled with in high school is that I was always thinking about the future 
that I didn't really focus on what I was doing in high school because I was so set on like making sure that I'd be set for the future. And I think it's really great advice that, you know, you should really enjoy the presence and the journey. I also think that even relating to what you said in your in your first question answer about how um, like trying to fit into this form of what you believe. So industrial engineering had this kind of thing that you thought you should be doing with that degree because this is what it was defined to you as. But realizing that that's what you want to do and that's the degree that you wanted, but maybe industrial engineering as a job was not exactly what you want to do. So finding like the fluidity within that and and not being so fixated on the fact that you had to fit in that little box of I'm an industrial engineer and I have to design and, and do things like that, that an industrial engineer wouldn't, what you would think they would do, but you found that to be, I want to do this marketing. So kind of having that fluidity and not, not being confined to worrying about, Oh my gosh, well, this is the the degree I got. So I have to do this. Like that, that can be really confining and and add a lot of stress to a, to a high school or a college student. And I think that's a really good point because there were a lot of things about industrial engineering that I loved. I loved what I studied. I did try an industrial engineering job while I was in college for three months, and it was not interesting to me at all. And I think that learning what you don't like is almost more important than learning what you do like because it it definitely gives you some steering. The thing that I came away with is the way I define industrial engineering is I learned how to optimize everything. And that's it was learning how to look at a system, a process and being able to optimize it. I could do that in a lot of different jobs. I didn't have to be an industrial engineer. And so that skill set is something that I could take and apply with me in different places. Certainly. And to kind of move into that, our next question was, if all of with all of your work experience throughout your career, you know that taking criticism in a workplace environment can be crucial for your success. Can you expand a little bit on that? How does one ask for that feedback and take it without being hurt by the results? That's a very good question. I think that It is very underrated how important honest feedback is. And I would say that if you had a friend that had disappointed you and you had to sit down face to face with that friend and tell them, you really disappointed me. And here's what you did specifically that let me down. And this is how that made me feel. And here's the consequence of that. And here's what I need from you for our friendship to move forward. We hate those conversations. They're really uncomfortable. They don't feel good. They're hard to initiate. And I think that we need to look at the managers and the people in our workforce the same way. You know, that's a hard conversation for them to sit down and review your performance. And so I think that we carry this responsibility ourselves in our career that in order to develop ourselves and to advance our careers, we need honest feedback. And we really have to take the responsibility of getting it. And there are some easy ways to go about getting it by asking the right questions. Because we can ask the questions in a way that says, hey, I'm okay for you to give me criticism, right? I'm asking for it. So instead of me saying, so how did I I perform on that? How did I do? We could ask instead, how could I do that better next time? What skills do I need to develop that would help me to be better at doing this kind of task so that we've opened it up, that we're 
we're expecting criticism, right? We've asked the question of, I want criticism. And I think that, you know, we can even turn it around and say, what skills do I need to develop that I don't have so that I could do this better? And I think that there's the focusing on our shortcomings, but we can also ask, you know, you've told me I'm strong at this thing. How could I leverage that better? But I think we have to take the ownership ourselves to ask for the kind of feedback that we want and not expect that people are going to give it to us. I think asking for criticism too, especially in a workplace. I know Vivana and I both have our first internships this year, and that's something that's kind of scary to get into that you're working in this um, corporate industry and, and really high level people and asking for criticism can be super, super scary because we're, we're told from the very beginning, like, don't point out your own flaws, like always try to conceal that. And I don't think that that is a very good mindset to go into any of that, because how are you ever going to grow if you're always like, don't look at my flaws, don't don't point out my flaws, don't show your flaws. Like you're if you can't fix those flaws and improve on them, you're never going to improve as a as an individual in a whole or even an employee like uh, upon that. So I think that it's really important to, to kind of learn those skills early because that's something that's super scary. And, and if you don't take the initiative to take that, you aren't growing as a, as an individual. Oh yeah. And I would say speaking from the standpoint of being a hiring manager and having hired a lot of people, I'm more interested in hearing from the person that says I had this flaw. I had this shortcoming and this is how I got feedback about it. And this is how I addressed it. And here's what I was able to do once I had addressed it. I would much rather hear that than hear me. I don't have any flaws. I completely agree. For sure. It definitely brings out that like, I have flaws, but I'm willing to grow and I'm also human and that's okay. I know for me personally, I'm constantly striving to be as successful as possible in school and also in my job. Do you have any advice on how to stay confident and motivated? Well, my career was in marketing and I was frequently quoted as having said it was, you know, you bluff and sell, Um, but that's probably not the right answer here. (laughs) So I think there are two different things. So I'm going to take motivated first. I think a good way to stay motivated is to ask yourself what you're trying to learn. Because if you say, this is something I'm trying to learn. I don't know this. It's not a skill I have. It's not an area I know something about. I am very driven by getting to learn something and having a really steep learning curve. And for that learning curve to be satisfying, it needs to be measurable. So I need to be able to see that I'm making progress. So I would say, You stay motivated by having something to learn and that thing that you're learning be measurable as you're making progress. I like that. I think it's always good to to keep yourself motivated to have goals. I mean, we talk about that all the time, especially I know in high school, it's always, well, your goal is to graduate. But setting goals in your personal life is what can drive you to make sure that you are continuing to grow and continuing to stay motivated in what you're interested in. Because let's be honest, nobody wants to sit and do something that they know how to do, like without even looking at it for the rest of their life as a job. Like for example, like no one wants to do that. And, and as much as people are going to say it's easy, like, Oh, I want the easy job. I want the easy way out. Like they're never going to talk about that job as being motivated to go get up every morning and do it. But the people that are conforming to their job and constantly learning and setting their own goals. Those are the people that get up and say, I'm excited to go to work today. 
Yeah, for sure. Always, always understanding and knowing your why is a good way to to stay motivated. I, I know I had to ask myself that a lot this semester. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Did you reach organic chemistry and then have to ask yourself that question? <laughs> oh, you see, I'm taking that next semester, but I did. I I went I went through it um, last semester, and I was like, I, I can't right now. And then, um, yeah, no, like thermodynamics and mass and energy balances. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I like thermodynamics. It was the organic chemistry where you got this little molecule set, you know, where you built things. And I used to sleep with that kit <laughs> and the organic chemistry book under the pillow, hoping for osmosis. Yes, that kit was, <laughs> I could not. <laughs> I love that. Some things don't change with time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so funny to hear. <laughs> So for our next question, for those of us who are used to being evaluated through a score as students, how do we change our mindset to be more successful in the workplace and feel valued without a grade or score? Throw away everything you know about grading at school. Because at school, they tell you, I mean, how many classes are you each taking each term? Four? Five? Yeah. And you know the goal, right? It's try to get the highest grade you can in each class possible, and they compute a grade point average. But when you go to work to explain it in school terms, they sign you up for a bunch of classes and they don't tell you really how many you're signed up for. Could be a hundred. You don't have enough time to attend all the classes and you certainly don't have enough time to do all the work. And some of those classes, they might count like a hundred towards your grade point average and another class is weighted as a one. And so it's this place that you have to figure out where to allocate your time and you figure out, okay, well, you know, on this class or this project, I'm going to really work hard on this and I'm going to try to get an A on this. And then you look at these other classes or projects and you say, well, these don't count for very much. So I'll just kind of squeak by with a C. And then there's going to be all these other ones, probably 90 out of a hundred that you say, oh man, I'm going to take an F on those and let it ride. I can't spend my time there. It's just That's not what's going to count. And so when we're in school, we're trying to get an A on everything. And at work, there's a bunch of stuff that you just say, I'm going to skim by, I'm going to fail, or I'm going to just barely pass. And so when all of that gets weighted together, you're getting the highest score that you can. And so it can feel very daunting because nobody's giving you the list of which classes count. And where to emphasize your time. And that's where it becomes really important that you have to understand how you're going to be evaluated. Yeah, definitely. Like understanding what to prioritize and your time is extremely important. And using it wisely is what will help you get by versus spending so much on something that isn't necessarily important. I remember when I was learning that lesson, there would be many nights I'd catch myself still at work, nine o'clock at night, and I would be reading email and I would sit back and say, it's nine o'clock at night and you're sitting here reading this. Is this important? It's like, no, this isn't important. You should have already been home or you should be here working on something else. And you do, you have to, you have to question yourself. Is this really where I should be spending my time? Definitely. And I like the contrast of you pointing out that this workplace environment is different than school, because I think we spend so t- so much time as students. Vivan and I just finished our 13th year of school. 
I had a really hard semester last semester. I was trying to take all these prerequisites to declare for my mechanical engineering degree. And I had all these um, grades that I had that had to get B's in all these classes so that I could make the, the cutoff lines. And my parents just kept telling me, they were like, Allie, it doesn't matter what you get in the like grade. You're going to get in the workplace and no one's going to ask you what you got in calculus one your freshman year of high school or freshman year of college. Like no one's going <laughs> to care. So I, I was so like stuck on this, like I have to get a B. And so I was so hung up on this whole grade thing. And it's like, oh, the grade defines how smart I am. And mm-hmm. the grade defines if I'm valued enough in this in this position. And do I can I be a mechanical engineer if I'm getting a C minus in calc? Like I, I went through all of this last semester. So this is really like close to me but um, I think that it's like super important to to contrast those things and to kind of break that because I think that it's super super ingrained in us to to rely on these grades and to rely on a score that you get from your work and that that's not how the real world has to work you don't have to be graded every time you complete a task and if you get an A you're the best and if you get an F you're the worst like that's that's not how the real real world works and that we should not be so caught up on it. Well, and in the workplace, you know, it happens regularly that somebody is, you know, they're banging their head against the wall and they're getting C's, D's and F's. And that's not fun. And I remember I had a woman reporting to me one time and she was working her hardest, but it was D's and F's. And I remember saying to her, I said, this is not because you're a bad person. It's because you have a set of skills and the job that you're in is not looking for that set of skills. It's looking for a set of skills you don't have. And I said, what if we move you to a job that is built for your skill set? And it was a step backwards in her career. She was very angry for a long time, but she eventually came back and said, you know, that's great. I am way happier now. I am doing something where I'm being successful because I have the right skills for this. Definitely, definitely. I think that goes back to our whole thing earlier about fitting into that box same thing the same idea that I I have to be good at math and good at science to to be an engineer I think that's that was my biggest thing was I was like I'm not very good at math I struggle with those things so maybe I'm not good enough to be an engineer and I'm I'm slowly breaking out of that I just need to find somewhere that will play to my skill set and not worry about the the parts where I'm not as strong do you want me to tell you a secret (laughs) I'd love to I'd love to hear it. Fall of my sophomore year in college, I got three C's and a D. And it was the most important quarter of my entire college experience. And I'll tell you something, because it was so easy to look at that grade point average and say, oh my God, how am I ever going to get a job? Yeah. Right. Who's ever going to hire me with this? And it taught me to really look at how I was studying and how to study smarter, and how to surround myself with better study partners. And when I got down to my le- you know, senior year and you're interviewing, I had people ask me, what happened on your transcript? And I told people, I said, I'm not going to apologize for that. That's the best lesson I got out of college. I learned how to get focused. I think it's important not to discourage that at all. I, I, I like I really like that we're talking about this because I think that a lot of times it is discouraged and it's not you don't want to talk about the the D that you got in the class last semester after you paid however much money to take this college class. Like that's something you don't want to talk about at all. But I think that it's like really important to talk about it. One, because one, our listeners 
are about are going through this or about to go through this, any of our middle school and high school girls listening, this is like this will most likely in some way pertain to them. And I think a lot of times that's not talked about. And I think that's really, really something that you need to you need to be okay with and not be so hard on yourself about. Well, when I was in graduate school, I was in this class where we played a market simulation game. And every week you put your inputs in, you got the results back. And the team that I was on every week, we just kept going further to the bottom. And we were last place every damn week of, sorry, every week of the semester, we were last. And when it came down to the end of the semester, the professor said, you know, I want each team to stand up and talk about what they learned this semester. So the first place team gets up and starts talking and then the second place team and third place team. And of course, last place team, we got up. We had learned more than everybody else in the room put together. Because through failure, we kept looking and trying to figure out how to be successful. But people that were successful never stopped to say, why was I successful? Mm -hmm. How can I learn from my success? We actually learn more from failing. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so much, Deborah, for answering those first few questions. We're going to take a quick short break and we'll be right back. Hi, it's Wendy Merchant, founder of STEM Blazers. With the school year now well underway, we are looking forward to our upcoming event, the Mocktail Social. This year marks our sixth annual mocktail, and it's designed to bring high school and college students together with professional women working in STEM fields for an evening of inspiration and networking, and it is always fun. This event will take place on October 29th in the Metro Denver area, and it's open to all students in Colorado. Please make sure to follow us on social media for more details and to register. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Our handle is STEM Blazers. We can't wait to see you this year. Now let's get you back to the conversation. All right, welcome back everyone from our little break. Um, Deborah, why do you feel like it's important for organizations like STEM Blazers to exist? And what kind of impact do you see from these organizations? Those are great questions. I think the important reason for STEM Blazers to exist is that I think we need to get experience and exposure to these career fields in order to understand why to put yourself through organic chemistry and calculus (laughs) and thermodynamics, Yeah, right? Because if you read those course descriptions, that alone isn't going to hold your attention. It's not going to spark your curiosity. I think that talking to other women that have gone before you that have been in these roles and you see the excitement that they've had and what they've been able to do, this gives you the full 360 about why you would want to pursue STEM. Definitely. 100%. And you've given us so much great advice with what you've learned in your career. What is the most important thing that you'd like our listeners to take away from your experience? So I think we talked about the importance of asking for feedback and asking for critical feedback. And I think we think about that in the workplace, but I think we need to think about that in all parts of our life. Always asking for feedback, always suggesting that we're open to getting critical feedback. You know, am I being a good person working with you on this project? Is there something I could do better? Is there something I could do to be a better friend? Is there something I could do to be a better sister? 
could I do something to be a better mentor for you? And then if you want peace and harmony in the universe, you ask the significant other in your life, is there something I could do that would make me more fun to be in a relationship with? For sure. Yeah. I think it's really important to to talk about communication. I mean, that's basically mm-hmm. what we're breaking that down to. And I think that communicating in all aspects of your life is so important. And And I think that you can always connect better with somebody if you're having those conversations and it may not always be fun conversations and you may not always want to hear what that person has to say, but ultimately like we were reiterating earlier, just growing and being a better person and, and striving for that throughout your life is, is something that not all people look for and find important. But I think that it's definitely something that we um, should value. Oh yeah. And communication, like it's a lot harder too than I feel we make it out to be. And it's something that will take a lot of time, I feel, to to really understand and to really be able to do well. Um, like I know I still for sure struggle with communication and getting feedback and especially in workplace situations when I'm trying to stand up for myself or like a workplace confrontation, there will be times where I think I'm communicating what I'm saying but maybe it was too passive or maybe it made sense to me, but it didn't come across to whoever I was speaking to. So for our listeners out there, it's it's definitely tricky, but something you should for sure learn and grow on. I think that pretty much wraps up our question section. Um, we're going to move into the rapid fire question round. Um, we'll ask you a series of questions. You can answer them as fast as you can, but do not be stressed about it. It is not not stressful at all. Um, so to get into our first question, what is your favorite way to de-stress? To ride my bike uphill. What is a class that you think everyone should take? Calculus. I, I will say that one was hard, but <laughs> it makes you a better rounded person. <laughs> <laughs> Where is your favorite travel location? Chile. Mm. In South America. That's exciting. What is the best compliment you've ever received? I have a very good friend who told me, he said, I know a lot of cyclists that are faster than you, but I don't know of another cyclist that is more determined than you. Oh, I like that. I think that can be applied to anything. Yep. What is something that makes you laugh? (laughs) Something that makes me laugh. My husband keeps giving me all of these quirky (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. Yeah, my favorite t-shirt, it says... I don't need Google. My husband knows everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) Nice. I guess that kind of goes on to the next rapid fire question. What's your favorite motto? Well, I'll tell you my favorite motto that I got from my dad, which is get your education first. It's the one thing you can't lose and it can't be taken away from you. Mm, I like that. What is something that you've always wanted to learn? I'd really like to learn Spanish well but I don't want to work for it. (laughs) (laughs) Learning a language is hard. That takes a lot. It's very hard. What is your best life hack? I think my best life hack is when I hear somebody giving me advice, I always ask them questions in order to put them in context because I want to figure out where their advice is coming from. And then I know whether or not to pay attention to it. What is a book that you think everyone should read? Endurance by... Alfred Lansing, and it's the story of Shackleton's expedition to cross Antarctica. 
And it is the best way to learn about leadership. I will add that to the list. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite song? Oh, that's easy. It's Bad to the Bone by George Thorogood. Yes. <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> to all of our listeners out there, we do have our mentor playlist. So you could check out that awesome song right on our Spotify. And lastly, this is a question that we ask all of our guests. Standing where you are right now, what advice would you give to your high school self? I would tell my high school self that she had everything she needed. I love that so much. My heart. <laughs> I, like, I felt that one. Yeah. <laughs> and like our listeners already know, one of the new things we're doing on this season is our trivia question. So this trivia question is, what does a funambulist walk on? Find out on our Instagram. Thank you so much, Deborah, for joining us on this episode. It was an absolute privilege to speak with you. And on behalf of STEM Blazers, we want to thank you for sharing your story and your passions. Thank you. Thank you to the listeners for joining us for another STEM Blazers episode. If you want more information or to stay up to date with what we're working on, check out our website at stemblazers.org or our Facebook and Instagram pages at STEM Blazers. STEM Blazers.